I'd like to give you some updates from Dan. I don't have any, but to know that he's in good spirits and from from his uh, hospital bed, he kind of mobilized the crew. I wish they were still out here. Some are sitting in the audience, but man, they did an awesome job this morning. Even the people up in the crow's nest, the, you know, they, they really rallied and uh, took care of things. Yeah, give them a hand too. And I want to welcome you. I can't give you a welcome like Miss Joanne did. I could, but I don't think you'd like it. Uh, but thank you all for being here this morning. I, I get the privilege of kicking off the next sermon series. And uh, for the last few weeks, Randy has been telling you um, what we do um, as a church. And part of that was our generosity. And I think this sermon series is kind of an extension of that. Because what we do is we make disciples. That's what we want to do as a church. You know, our mission is to move people on a simple journey toward Jesus. And we're motivated to do that by our love for God, by our love for His people, and by our desire to fulfill His commission to make disciples that make disciples. And so that's what we want to do. You know, because God loves us, we want to love Him with all of our strength. We want to reciprocate that love. And so in Deuteronomy, Jesus, when He was talking about that greatest commandment, He said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. But He expanded on that because that's only one side of the coin. When He quoted from Leviticus, when He said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And I think Jesus made it pretty clear that loving God and loving your neighbor, those are two things that can't be separated. One without the other, in Jesus' eyes, isn't love at all. You know, we're all on this journey together. But some of us, you know, we're not at the same place. I mean, that's a given fact. We're just not all at the same place, not at the same juncture as we try to move closer uh, to Jesus. But Jesus does call all of us to do some pretty specific things. He calls us to grow, to grow in our faith, and He calls us to multiply. There's no doubt in my mind about that. To become more complete followers of Jesus, and then to bring others along with us as we go on this journey together, and teaching them to do the same thing. You know, I heard recently of a story, I was at a conference this week, and I heard a story about a, a minister who, was, who had been dejected in his, in his ministry. See, he, had, he was called by God to preach about evangelism. He just knew it. It was burning in him to do that. And so he, he set forth to write this sermon to preach to his congregation. And I mean, he, he researched, he prayed holes in his, the knees of his pants. I mean, he really poured everything he had into this sermon. And on Sunday when he delivered that sermon, he knocked it out of the park. I mean, the Holy Spirit was just speaking through him. And afterwards, the people came up and were patting him on the back. And he said he, it almost felt like they were going to carry him out of the sanctuary. And so he was buoyed by that. I mean, he, he was encouraged, and so he decided, I'm going to start an evangelism class. And it was the very next week. He didn't want any time to go by. And so he spent the rest of the week preparing for that, coming up with the curriculum. I mean, he, he, again, he did his research. He was ready. He had the table set up. And on that night, nobody came. 
And he was very, very deflated over that. Actually, he shared with a friend that he was thinking about leaving the ministry. Because what he realized was when those people were patting him on the back, what they were congratulating him for was getting his job description down. They said, that's great. We're glad you're doing that. And they left. Because, see, they thought it wasn't their job to evangelize. And I think that's because that's what the church has been teaching for a long time. I know it's what I was taught growing up. But, you know, I don't think that's what God had in mind at all. You know, Paul explains it way better than I can in Ephesians. He said, He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers to equip to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. There's two words I want to, actually one word and a phrase here that I want to kind of unpack in those verses. The first one is equip. Equip means to supply the necessary items for a particular purpose. The, the secondary definition of that, according to Webster's, is to prepare some, someone mentally for a particular situation or task. What Paul is saying in these, in these verses, that it's not the job of the ministers to do the bidding of Jesus Christ on behalf of all Christians. What he's saying is, is that it's the minister's job to prepare you to do the work of God. Paul says that ministers are supposed to build up the body until we reach unity and faith, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That phrase, fullness of Christ, what does that mean? It's the full embodiment of Jesus. It's what he lived and what he walked when he was on this earth. And folks, what that goes back to, what that what that fullness means is it goes back to what we started this conversation about. It's the greatest commandment, and it's the commission. To love God and to love His people, and to make disciples that make disciples. The life of Christianity at its fullest is to be engaged in these two processes. Not as a task list, but as a way of life. It's what God calls us to do. We need to be living a life that models unconditional love for everyone around us and a life expressing, expressing our most pressing concern is that of the, as the salvation of other people. That should be our most pressing concern. If, if we love people, how can we not want them to come to Jesus? Why would we wish that on folks? Jesus modeled ministry in its purest form. He offered increasingly progressive challenges to the people that would follow him. And we're going to be talking and taking a look at those challenges and Jesus' strategy uh, to conquer the world. We're going to be looking at that over the next uh, few weeks. And so he first challenged seekers. He challenged them to simply check out what Jesus had to say. He simply said, come and see. And so 
That's what we're going to be talking about today is the first challenge that Jesus gave any of his followers. And for those that responded, he challenged them to follow him. To deny themselves and to follow him. And Randy's going to be talking about that next week. And after modeling ministry for about two years, uh, almost two years, he issued a lofty challenge. And he said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. He said, follow me and I'll teach you how to bear fruit in your lives. And then on graduation day, before he was crucified, he instructed them to go out into the world as you go about your daily business and bear much fruit. Those are the four challenges that Jesus gave people that would dare to follow him. Some of the first red letters in the Bible can be found in the book of John. Some of the first things that Jesus said in John chapter 1. And I want to preface these verses First of all, Jesus has been baptized. It says that the Holy Spirit literally thrust him into the wilderness. And he was there for 40 days. And he had no water, no food. He fasted for 40 days, 40 nights. Then at the end of that period, the devil came and just just in in an all-out assault, tried to tempt him in every way that he could. Jesus responded with Scripture. He responded in obedience uh, to, to, to God, to his father. And then he came out of the wilderness. And this is when we're going to pick this up. So he was ministered to by angels, which probably helped build his strength back up. And then he came out and he was walking in that place in Bethany, the very place where he was baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist. And John was there. And he was walking. He was walking past. And and, he, and John, with two of his disciples there, looked up and said, Look, the Lamb of God. He said, hey, here's the guy I was telling you about. This is the Messiah. And so two of his disciples left John, and they started following Jesus. And and Jesus, sensing that they were back there, turned around, and he asked a profound question. He said, what do you want? What is it that you're looking for? And so these guys responded. They said, Rabbi, where are you staying? Now, that, that statement right there is important. They said, Rabbi, which means teacher. Now, they were asking Jesus by calling him rabbi. They were saying, Jesus, can we be your students? Can we fall in behind you? Can we learn how to be more like you? See, in first century Judaism, if you, once you were 12 years old, once you went through your bar mitzvah, then if you were the smartest and the brightest, and if you were fortunate, you were placed with a rabbi. Rabbi selected you. And you, you kind of lived with the rabbi. You mimicked everything they did. You even walked like them. Because the goal was was to be more like your master. And so when John and Andrew called him rabbi, that's what they were asking. Can we enter into this, this rabbi, this rabbi-student relationship with you? Can we?